lead up to the trawler's first victim became the elaborate template. The disappearing pets, the phone calls, the rehearsal break-in, but not an assault. This was true of the second victim as well. Sarah Johnson abducted behind the Tower Records on Ventura Boulevard in Sherman Oaks in early January 1981. Her body was discovered eight weeks later in a drain pipe at an abandoned construction site on the outskirts of Simi Valley. Her cat had disappeared. She complained to her mother that the furniture in her bedroom had been rearranged, and someone was calling her, breathing into the phone. Not obscene, exactly. Just unnerving. But she was never assaulted in a home invasion. Sarah had left the party in Tarzana and drove to pick up a cassette on the way back to her parents' home in Studio City, but she never made it to the Tower Records on Ventura Boulevard and her remains wouldn't be discovered until the first week in March, found in the same condition and with the same injuries as Julie Selwyn had suffered when she was found in September of 1981, rotting on a public tennis court in a park near Woodland Hills. She had been propped up and splayed against the net, her head just a skull with flesh stretched over it, but with a full head of hair and empty sockets where her eyes had been gouged out and what had been inflicted upon the rest of her body, what the hideous mutilation represented, we wouldn't find out until the end of the year, when the details were finally revealed in the long article in the Los Angeles Times, having only previously been alluded to because of the grotesque and upsetting nature of the injury. The injury. The injury. The injury. The injury. To the six, we be in the mix with that rare candy paint job on the whip. I need food for the kids, money for the rent. Fuck a lockdown, baby, I can't do that shit. And I don't never vote, cause I'm fucking broke. And either way, I know the police ain't gon' leave me alone. On a plane by the visit, land rock me. Crypto told me I should bring the Glock with me. So I packed up my piece and I'm sliding. Cause we might get caught up in a riot. Middle finger Trump, middle finger Biden. Fuck a left, fuck a right, is you riding? Know you love to see it. Rockin'. Ain't no politics, baby, we just talkin' From the birds to the bricks, we be in the mix With that rare candy paint job on the whip, who you with? Welcome back to the Gain of Fiction Lab and the Ghost in the Tome Dojo. The dojo has been constructed. Um, so for Gain of Fiction, volume 26, uh, shout out to all you guys who've been checking this out. And for Ghost in the Tome, they are at number... I think seven. We uh, think we seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think seven. Apparently, my archival skills are wanting, so I, I gotta yeah. tighten up. You know, you who's also been- can't tag for yeah. shit like Patreon. You're supposed mm-hmm. to like archive categories, and he'll just be making up new categories. I'm like, bro, ain't, ain't nobody ever gonna find this innovation mode. Just- innovation <laughs> mode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, so. I will say this. We lose count sometimes. You know who doesn't lose count? The fucking haters, dude. The haters never lose count. They know exactly how many fucking episodes you guys have done. And um, they know exactly how many we've done. The haters are stooping to crazy lows. They are... Um, check your aquarium right now, guys, because the haters took your fish. Oh, no. They, they might have put it in a, into a girl's pussy. You know yeah. what I mean? They might have taken the fish and done that. Just what? Just It's weird. Okay, guys? So they might be stalking you. They might be leaving band posters with numbers on there with pentagrams oh, and, and, oh, and stuff. So the haters are out there right now. They're in beige vans. Maybe, maybe the haters you. Maybe the hater was you the whole time. Maybe you have self hate. Um, so I was thinking that was just my dad who thought that you know I kind of liked that band. And... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you guys probably recognize the voices on here, and if you're an agitator uh, listener, you may, you might recognize me. I don't know. Who knows? But um, this is a double published crossover 
fiction aficionado because it's the most contemporary book that I that I've done on here. I'll tell you that much. I I, I think. Um, and I don't know about you guys. You guys do a few more recent ones, but it's this is kind of this feels fresh. This feels brand yeah, new fresh. to me. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think the most recent ones have been the one the tip probably the tim powers book actually that you yeah well did. we did uh no coincidence or you did no coincidence mm -hmm. oh no, that's right joint. yeah true true yeah yeah that's yeah my and yeah exactly mine would probably was like jurassic park or something i have no idea i do a lot of old shit yeah so it's uh this is great but today we're covering um you know kelby and i kelby's actually obligated to be on game fiction for all things brady stanellis um but i went out of order because i realized this isn't this isn't like in order of his novels this is like novel zero for him in my opinion um it's kind of you know less than zero it's uh it's actually the, the making of less than zero if you if you really want to go down that route and uh, i had been bugging these guys they read a lot they write books they they do all the stuff i've been begging. i'm like dude you guys gotta gotta check this one out man like it's just it, it is that special um i listened to it last year <clears throat> and when i was we were first starting uh covering ready else's catalog it's when i got into his podcast and I realized, okay, I think I'm listening to the greatest podcaster ever, like all the time, which I, which I believe is Brady Stanellis. And it's such a trip because he serialized this chapter by chapter on his Patreon. And it would be like an hour long chapter of some pretty vile, gross, nasty shit. And then he would interview somebody that I've talked to like Sean Stone or something or yeah. or amanda milius or i mean it was it's yeah. insane it would just and he has this song right so it would you know the end of it would be like and the trawler had sliced off the dog's head and put it inside rosa's egg white omelet in my friend and then it would and then all of a sudden you hear his song it's this acoustic guitar like food network ass song that leads into his <laughs> podcast and it's like man this i i just want to talk about the innovation of this I have never read anything serialized before. You guys have done some some serialized stuff on Patreon. I know you guys are moving to more of that model now. So as authors, is this just like the best idea ever or am I tripping? It's insane commitment. It's like, especially if you operate like David and I do, you get into an idea and then you find the real idea somewhere along that line. Yeah. So then you got to correct course. And if you're just serializing something and narrating it, like, I guess at the end of it, you can edit it and publish it, do whatever you want. But that's still that's such commitment, because like what you we were doing with Yugen Junk, we're still writing that shit, but differently. We realized somewhere down the road, like, oh, we want to do something else. And so we're not serializing it anymore. <laughs> so like for him to actually stick to the bit, I'm like, no, nah, it is crazy. It, it is like he's a real one for that. Yeah, and his fans crying about it. They're crying. They're like, "How many more of these in the in the Patreon <laughs> thing? Do you know I mean, are you gonna write up a whole book for me because I listen to you because you write books? The fuck, dude! I hate. I can't stand these people. It make me. Oh, then they got too much gay sex. You, you, a Brady Sinellis patriot patron is complaining about the sexual content in Brady Sinellis's books. Okay, yeah, I, I, I gotta speak on this real quick because. I don't want to get, jump the gun here because I, I have an entire archive quote <laughs> list from Goodreads. But there's one review that I saw where I don't think – I think this woman read the book and somehow didn't get that he was gay, which seems mm. hard to do. Tough it to seems do. really hard to Tough do. Tough to do. 
but she talks about uh, privileged white people and how, uh, you know, he's such a ladies man and he's, he's able to please his girlfriend so well, even though he's not interested in her. And uh, I, I'll truncate that uh, and then go to this other review, which is from what looks like to be a very old woman that says way too much gay sex. And the funniest part is that gay is in parentheses. <laughs> way too much gay sex. Like, have you have you read like I, this is a broader point that I want to get to where I feel like when if you've never read a Brett Easton Ellis book before and you start reading the shards and you are shocked by how much butthole licking is in it. I get oh. that. But if you have yeah. read one of his books before, which a lot of these people said, they, a lot of people were like, I, I was such a fan of his. And uh-huh. then I got to this and uh, all this gay sex. I was, I was really thrown for a loop. I was like, that just makes you retarded. Like you, <laughs> did you read the, the other books? Cause there's plenty. And, and I, and I can see somebody stumbling into it for the, for as, as, somebody walking into the Brady Snell's pantheon, the Brady Snell's canon and just being like, Oh, I heard this was a novel about a young queer man. Oh my gosh. This will be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude. How funny but, would it have been if he made himself black in this? Like if, you, oh, if he was just, if he just completely embodied <laughs> that archetype. Yeah. Was- <laughs> well, that's why it's not, that's why it's not as popular. I mean, it is po- He did well with this, but it's not, he, if he wrote this book in 1995, it would have, flown off the fucking rails i mean it would it would have been like it would have blown the doors off of everything it would have it would have been already a movie i mean it's going to be a tv show Mm -hmm. but it already would have had like a david fincher ass like movie on about it or something and it's it's weird because i think there are people that are that were that loved his podcast for like the guests or like the q a and they would they I, like I remember like wanting to go listen to Amanda Milius's interview on there just because it was on there. And I remember like going like, what the fuck is happening at the beginning of this? And it was literally the meeting is the is the Terry Schaefer dinner before her uh, where he's having uh, lunch at the at the uh, polo lounge or whatever that is uh, mm-hmm. or Trump's at Trump's at uh, in, in L.A. And I'm like, is he just like riffing right now? Oh, like, so he like, put so this in front of the interviews. They were his. These are episodes. These are all episodes, oh, and then and then an hour and a half interview with Amanda Millius after like like you know like Terry Schaefer's thumb pierced my asshole like and then like and then and then Amanda Millius no I I mean and then the, the Sean crazy and then Sean Stone's interview is right after Robert Mallory's aunt and him and Brett have lunch like it's it's too powerful ass parts of the that's book. a yeah that's a, that's a great ass scene. yeah can I touch you are you out of touch. talk about that let's talk about the book let's let's frame it for people i don't want to spoil it too much because it actually is somewhat new but we're gonna spoil it later so uh for for a lot of people so brady stanellis you'll notice the main character the narrator who we think is autistically reliable at the beat for for almost all of the book his name is brett brett ellis yeah yeah and he goes to buckley high 
But the whole time he is he he is going off of a journal, and that's the the beauty of listening to it on his podcast is he actually talks about the writing of it a lot before the chapter. So he will say, "I'm going off of this journal that I have. I'm going off of here, knowing you know the the what was playing at the movie theaters during all these scenes, stuff that happened over forty years ago." And he is recounting his final year of high school, the summer going into it, and the first month of it, where uh, a very tight knit friend group is kind of basically turned upside down by this absolute giga chad serial killer uh neoliberal woman's wet dream robert mallory um they won't say that's their wet dream but it's what they click on netflix every time for and uh would be robert mallory and um but it's but it's brett is the first guy to know that he's weird or at least to register that he is uh a psycho and it is the whole time you're he's talking about working on his novel and trying to achieve numbness as a feeling and realizing that the novel that he was writing that was very much straightforward, kind of a horror novel, then turns into uh, numbness uh, because of all the events that happen in here. And now there's lots of things that we're going to cover here. Um, but the whole time there's a serial killer that is later revealed as the trawler and uh, the writers of the afterlife cult that are kind of hovering over all this and kind of just getting closer and closer and closer to the friend group to, to, and then really uh, picking off, you know, members of the friend group, or at least Brett's friends, some of his secret little friends, uh, gay lovers and all that. And uh, it is, uh, I think it's a phenomenal book. I, I think it's, it, it was captivating, especially listening to it in the format. I actually think it's better on audio um this is my second oh, yeah, it was made it was made for audio, made for, audio. for sure mm-hmm. and how do you guys do, do you guys know like how you do that you know because he's writing it it's not like he it's not like he was just kind of like looking at something and just speaking you know like he, he was writing it as a book so for somebody who doesn't write like that like how do you do that how do you how do you how do you or how do you write well what i mean it? is like how does i i can listen to a lot of audiobooks but if i'm at work i can if i pay attention to something for like a minute that's not the book i lose everything anything that has a plot a narrative however with the shards i felt like i never is it because i know him as a podcaster is it because i know his rhythm is it because i i'm just used to having that in my ear a lot because i'm a faithful listener of his show is that why i could it was so easy to follow an audio format maybe i also think that well i'll ask you because you listen to it on the patreon Uh um did he give any hints as to whether he had pre-written the whole book before he started reading chapters on the show? I think he was he would write a few chapters and then space them out. Uh, yeah. I think once he got to like the third act, it was all done already, the start okay. of it. But okay. for a while, I, I it kind of felt like he was just testing the water a little bit. Like, hey, do you guys want to like keep hearing about this shit or something? He's like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this book to me, and I think when you look at some of the criticisms of the book that are valid, that don't invalidate how good the book is, but that are valid, when people talk about, oh, I would cut this or I would cut that, it does feel to me like a book that is a, it's kind of feels like a first draft. But mm-hmm. I think that's tight. I think that the fact that he decides to, okay, I'm going to talk about the route that I take to get from, uh, my house to this movie theater or whatever and all the different roads he takes or whatever this feels very much like somebody who is typing and typing pretty quickly um 
and not going back and editing. There are a lot of phrases that are yeah, repeated. Yeah. The the fact that these episodes could potentially be spaced out means that he had to repeat certain details that you don't need repeated when right. you're reading it all in one By, sitting. Bi-weekly, mind you. Bi-weekly. Bi-weekly, so you, yeah, yeah. Two weeks a chapter, basically. Yeah, so two weeks go by, and then he has to remind you of this. And they left that all in for the book. But I, I'm beginning to feel that the inclusion of that quote-unquote filler, I think it might actually be a good thing because it makes it become hypnotic. You start looking for the repetitions of the phrases like the tangible participant and the Gucci bag and the Porsche 911, and you start to get into the rhythm of it and – the way that I I read read some of it because my Spotify a free listening ran out, a whole other story, but I listened to most of it, and you do you're able to wash dishes and do laundry mm-hmm. and have it playing, and you know when it's time to pay attention because he's so good at going from this kind of droning, uh, first draft feeling, uh, uh, rambling into. And then this is the detail that you need. And this is the detail that you need. So I, I feel like I f- it does feel to me like something that was uh, uh, not streamed. What's the word I'm looking for? Like transmitted, mm-hmm. right? Like like he be- he beamed it onto the page. Yeah, I think it was written for audio. Because I yeah. was yeah. thinking that, well, there were, there were certain phrases, just some of the prose, which is something I'm kind of new to audiobooks, uh, listening to them. And I think it's one, it's his talent as a narrator. He's a great narrator and he has that a rhythm that and a tone that hooks you. But it it's also there were some phrases in there where I started thinking like this prose, if it was on paper, I don't think I'd fuck with it as much as I am listening to it. But listening to it the way that it is written is captivating me. Like it's good as an audio experience. Sure. If it's I was big, just it's reading big the paragraphs book, too. Yeah. It's They're, yeah, the way that it's on the page, it's like those rambles that he goes through, those are unbroken paragraphs on the page, just like a wall of text. Didn't mean yeah. it's just like, you know, the different uh we've talked about different mediums a whole lot and everything, and like um when reading there's a different time experience there's a different relationship to time when you're reading text on a page yeah and i think that's why a lot of people will be like there's so much of this that could have been cut because they they fill in things in their imagination they like go through it at a different pace but when you're listening to it all those little bitty details help guide you through to where like i was doing math i was building a house i was doing like yeah construction shit while sure. i was listening to it yeah. and i know everything that happened like i was following along the whole Didn't time miss anything yeah no. that's crazy i've died did it twice there were no revelation there were a couple kind of like easter eggs the second time through where i'm like oh i this is where we start you know we'll get to that but like that's some some jumbling around of like who's who's in charge here kind of kind of things that were happening but um, one thing I'm drawn to about uh, about Brady Stanellis is that he has like the same musical taste and is the exact same age as my mom. And my mom and my parent, my dad, like are music aficionados. My dad is like the Sabbath, like Zeppelin guy. But my mom is all this like new wave, like, you know, split ends, the the go-go's and all these like all of those bands. 
And so I would like hit her up and like just be like, hey, you, you heard this song? She's like, oh, yeah, I've seen them live at such and such. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the, and so that part's like really cool to me and uh, like the fashion of it all. But I also, you know, look, I've, I've read two other two of his other novels. We've covered them on Gain of Fiction. Kelby and I have. And it's the the earnest quality at, right from the get go is like, wow, he the narrator cares. Because like Bredis and Ellis, like both books, Less Than Zero and Rules of Attraction, Less Than Zero, the whole vibe is that maybe the narrator cares a little bit, but he doesn't care enough about the people he's around, but he cares enough to want to get away from them, right? Which is also true in the shards. Uh, Rules of Attraction is more so of like a, an older person being like, look at all these college kids that think this is life or death, you know, all these dumb little like STD tests and shit that they're doing in college. <laughs> but then the shards, it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is a life or death situation. This is the scariest thing of all yeah. time. And yeah. to hear him like that, especially like there's times where his voice quivers a little bit, even if like, you know, look, the story, there's so many people, is the story real? Is the story, it's autofiction, guys. Like it's, it's autofiction. Like, but. <laughs> yes, he's committing to murder. <laughs> like, yeah, he had a John Wick <laughs> fucking knife fight with a guy in LA <laughs> and you can't yeah. find it anywhere. There, that None yeah. of that lore ever, ever surfaced. <laughs> Brady Stanellis is admitting he's going to prison actually now. Can you imagine a guy who lived on like the 12th floor of Robert Mallory's building and just being like, that was that fool? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> hey, homie, have you read this book, Los Chards? Yeah. It's crazy, boo. Yeah, it's, it's, Miguel, it's uh, Miguel, the guy that works at Buckley High. Uh, Miguel. Uh, I'm in the book, the chart. He got my. He actually got the, his name wrong in the one of the chapters and corrected it. And he said, and I must apologize to Miguel. I called him Hector. I thought Hector was the guy that worked at Buckley. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he goes, but it was Miguel. Good old Miguel. Like, and, and so it's just, uh, but it's funny. You should have left all that in. In, in, I know in the version that I listened to, but like, that's why that the, I cool. will say the Patreon is the best way to do it. He has a archive chapter list on his Patreon. He has a great producer named Adam, so he who does like all that stuff and and just archives all twenty seven chapters uh, to where it's pretty easy and clickable. It'll play inside the app and everything. So it's uh, it's that was the way I did it and and did it. This, I, I I tend to think that's the best way to do it. But um, like I said, you know the how earnest the feeling of the book is and it's weird like i i you it's easy to laugh at some of this like dumb high school drama but the minute you know the minute you realize like oh he's already very self-aware that he's a, a gay guy in high school with like a girlfriend that like i don't know 95 percent of la would be like crawling to get to Mm-hmm. and a best friend who 97% of LA would be trying to get to and then like two like chad friends that one of which he fucks and then the other one is like the like literally the the most popular like state senator football player looking guy ever in Tom Wright and uh I was I've sucked in from the beginning man <laughs> like I'm just like mm-hmm. yeah let's let's go for the ride dude yeah yeah and and you try to be like you know I'm a very uh I have a lot of class rage, so I feel a lot of bitterness mm-hmm. towards rich people. Yeah. But I can't help it. It is compelling to I'm read about of, super rich people. So this is interesting because – and I think Brett Easton Ellis might have single-handedly kind of moved – well, not single-handedly, but I think Brett Easton Ellis might be largely responsible for me moving in this direction. I love reading about rich people now. Like, yeah. And not even like, oh, these fucking, nah, 
honestly now like one of my one of my uh red flags is when people jump in like well you know they're rich or you know they're yeah it must be nice going riding on daddy's money i'm like ooh, hater alert hater alert. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and there's the bit too that's great in this book where brett addresses that directly where because his fuck buddy ryan who's uh-huh, a football right. player uh ryan vaughn actually has a he hates all the people that they hang out with yeah and he he says like Oh, you know, this, you know, Susan's just a fucking little rich girl and Debbie's got her, her homo dad's money and whatever. And Brett has a color commentary on it. And he says, you know, Ryan's parents are not, they're not poor. He's basically, he basically says Ryan's a hater, dude. Like he's not, he's not class conscious. He doesn't actually hate the people for their vapidity or stupidity or their money. He hates them because he ain'ts them. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I I thought I thought the little digs were nice. Like throughout the book, you'll hear him say things like, "This might have been a deal in 2023, but in 1981, nobody cared." <laughs> yeah. Like when he gets like fucking sucked off by Terry, and he's he's like, "I know how everything is now, but back then, he's like I busted, and I thought I could yeah. maybe get a screenplay out of it. Oh, Whatever." <laughs> that's that's the thing, man. Like the the the, and that's the next thing I want to get to you right away. You're introduced to his friend uh, Matt Kellner, who is this like Spicoli Jewish Spicoli guy who has no friends mm-hmm. essentially, like mm-hmm. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and he has a pool house. I had a couple friends that were like not that rich, but for some reason had a pool house. Like they were like only yeah. kind of rich, but like yeah. you could you never had to go in there. And what when Matt eventually dies at the hands of a, uh, of a very brutal murder that we, you know, we try to solve uh, throughout mm-hmm. the book. But when, when he dies and, and Brett goes to his house and he's like, I had never been in this guy's actual house before. I was like, dude, I had friends like that where you'd go into their living room. You're like, dude, I fucking have never been in here. Yeah. Like yeah. And I've only yeah. smoked weed in this guy's and like done drugs in this guy's pool house and like mm-hmm. it hung out on the, on the front. So, but he, yeah, he's friends with uh, this guy named Matt Kellner and uh, Matt is, seems like the uh, kind of the patient zero for the like elastic aloof fluid i'll i'm straight but i'll suck dick too fuck it you yeah, know like, whatever, like, bro. You know, also, <laughs> fuck it dude like you know so and i believe matt is a real person i believe matt was mm-hmm. a, like a real mm-hmm. friend that he had that he did all this with in high school like because it just it seems real you pick the loner who has no friends that ain't yeah. gonna tell nobody that he that what you guys do with- i love i love the line in this after they're like they're like sucking each other off and then brett comes on his chest and then he goes i don't think matt was gay exactly i'm like yes he yeah he is <laughs> that's the uh, it thing that means you're gay from law and order yeah. <laughs> i know that, that one's that one's really I love funny. women but i have yeah. sex with men <laughs> i know and he's just like this straight up like pothead who was just like like getting just like Cheech and Chong level high. I think that's actually how it's mm-hmm. referred to. Um, and he's just got a cat out. Poor Alex, the cat, um, poor, Alex. poor animals poor, in this book. Animals, poor animals. Animals are not doing well in this book. Uh, mm-hmm. Short your animal, sell your animal stock. If you're starting to start, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, it's bad. But uh, you know, you realize like timeline wise too, this is only 10 ish years after the Tate LaBianca murders you know and 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 oh that's true so it's it's actually not that far apart from there so all the kids are like old enough to at least have heard that story so you you realize like 
like serial like a serial killer just trolling a rich valley or like traversing a rich valley and just taking people out is actually like that seems like a like an actual real thing that was happening back like we don't have that anymore you know that's just not a real thing thank you thank you ring yeah ring doorbell cam yeah, which is also it. a good reason for him to write this novel and be like, I this is my time period in that time period because like it's you couldn't do it now. You just can't write that book now. Nobody it's hard. It's everyone hard. would know who Robert Mallory. Everyone would yeah. know who yeah. Robert Mallory was. Yeah. You would they all would they would dox him. They would know everything that happened in Chicago. It would happen right away, and you have no story. But um, it would all be on Facebook. Yeah, but but back on on Matt Kellner, uh, his. I love when when Brett just this feels like a last novel because I think he's going to switch to cinema books like Tarantino, which I'm all for. But Mm -hmm. uh, because you can't do anything after this. This book is just this is this is where you just blow your load. And it's a real ish kind of experience in his life. And uh, but I love his autistic, autistic recollection of like ejaculation and like coming and <laughs> guys he would, the guy he would log the guys he jerked off to like the guy from like american werewolf in london um mm-hmm. and then i remember when he was mel going, gibson yeah what was the one the the yeah mel gibson there was one that i thought was really funny where he was talking about the gay porn that he watches where like he's like a group of guys and one woman put on a ski mask to commit rapes by sucking yeah. a guy's dick and then the guy's <laughs> too ashamed to go to the cops because he got his yeah. dick by a guy. <laughs> I was cracking up, bro. And he, was like, and, so and, and he describes like jerking off to it and actually just busting everywhere. He's like, yeah, that was my shit. Like, that was, yeah. they don't make them like that. That's, that. that's how gay dudes had to do. They had to do like reverse kabuki where it was a chick playing a dude. You just listened to a preview of one of our premium episodes. And to get access to the full thing, you've got to be a paid subscriber to the Rare Candy Substack. That's rarecandy.substack.com. It's only $5 a month or $55 for the whole year. You get one month free if you do the whole year. You get access to premium Rare Candy episodes, my podcast, The Glen Word, and whatever the hell else we want to charge people for. Uh, Again, that's rarecandy.substack.com. Thanks again.